Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hey, hey, are you ready for this? We are going to get real today. And as you know, by the title of this episode, we are going to be talking about loose skin and we're going to talk about some of the facts and some of the myths. And then I'm going to share my own personal experience with this, with loose skin, how I handled it, what I did do, what I didn't do, and all the details. So just to kind of cut to the chase, well, before I do that, let me say this. I think most people worry too much about loose skin. I think fewer people truly have loose skin and what they have is flab, that is belly fat, that is just still there, stubborn belly fat or stubborn fat on the back of the arms. And because it's loose and jiggly, they think that it's skin, but unless it is paper thin, like truly just maybe a millimeter thin, it's fat. It is fat, it is covered with skin, but it is not loose skin, it is just extra body fat. So I think people tend to overreact about loose skin, and we'll talk about my thoughts on that. There are people who do have loose skin, I was one of them, and I did decide to have, and if you're following the blog, you know this already, this isn't like an admission, this is something I've talked about on the blog and on social media, Um, I did have loose skin around my abdomen, and I did have surgery to have it removed. So after we talk about all the facts, at the end, I am going to tell you every freaking detail about my own personal experience my surgery, how much it cost, what the recovery was, what my thoughts are in hindsight. So we are going to get into the details of my own personal experience with that. But first, I want to back up and take it from a higher level. Many people have a fear of loose skin. Most people who ask me about loose skin have not yet reached their goal weight They are anticipating loose skin and they are stressing about it. Now, whether it's loose skin that they're anticipating or buying new clothes or whatever it is, fear is imaginary. You are projecting some type of uncertainty into the future, but it's in the future, so it doesn't exist. Therefore, it is imaginary. And I've talked about that on the podcast before. I get it. If there's something you can do to reduce the chances that you'll have loose skin, you want to know what that is and you want to do it. Totally get that. But many people will just flat out say, I'm terrified of having loose skin. Here's the reality. Not everybody has it. Not everybody has that struggle. Your skin is an active organ. It's brilliant. It's very responsive and elastic. You might not have it. Then again, you might. Does that change whether or not you want or need to lose weight? Let's just say that I said, 
yeah, you've got 60 pounds to lose. You're definitely going to have loose skin. Would you say, well, then screw it. I'm not going to lose the weight. Like, does it stop you from needing to make that change? And I'll also say, at the risk of pissing some people off, and, and I can do this because I've been there. I've been on both sides of this equation. I think a lot of people use the fear of loose skin as a reason to not change. Sometimes people just don't want to or aren't ready to put in the work, the effort, the commitment, the consistency. So they get inside their head and they start spouting out all the reasons that maybe it's not a good idea, maybe it's risky, maybe they'll have more trouble downstream than they will right now. That's a delay tactic. I'm busy worrying about loose skin, so I'm not taking action. And this can come in other forms too. I'm too busy worrying about what people will say how they'll criticize me if they'll push food on me so I'm not taking action. I'm worried about how I'm going to handle the holidays this year so I'm not taking action. It's delay, deferral, deflection. Here's an idea. Just do it. Get out of your head. Nothing happens inside your head. You busy yourself. You wear yourself out. You use up a lot of energy. But progress doesn't happen in your head. Take action. Is being in your head, is worrying and what-ifing yourself getting you what you want? No. You're spending a lot of time and energy and effort, but you're just thinking. You're not going anywhere. You're a hamster on a wheel. Beyond that, like I alluded to at the very start, most of the time, what people think of as loose skin is not loose skin. The claim of loose skin is really made all too often. If you kind of wave your arm and your arm keeps waving after you've stopped moving, your, you know, it just continues on its own, that doesn't mean it's loose skin. More often than not, that is just stubborn fat. You still have body fat that needs some work if you want to get rid of it, right? That's just, that's just the truth. If it is loose and jiggly, chances are it is excess body fat. If it's more than a millimeter thick, it's body fat. If it's a millimeter or less, it's loose skin. If it's just body fat that's stubborn, well, whether it's on your arms or your midsection or between your thighs, if you want it gone, you have more work to do. That's not critical. It just is what it is. You can do the work or you can accept your body as it is with extra fat on it or you can have liposuction. Liposuction is different from having loose skin removed. Everybody with me on that? All right. Your skin is very responsive and reactive if you take care of it, if you take care of it, okay? It is naturally going to expand and contract. That's what happens when women become pregnant. You, it's not like once you've been pregnant, you never return to that original skin elasticity. Some people might not. But if you care for your body and you give your body the nutrients it needs, your skin is built to expand and contract that way. All right. So within the skin, there's the outer layer and then there's many inner layers, okay? The cells on the outer layers of your skin are constantly being regenerated and completely recreated. 
You shed old cells, you generate new cells. And so, to a large degree, the integrity of your skin, the elasticity of your skin, is something that you can improve with quality nutrition, really caring for your skin in a powerful way. Now, the lower layers of your skin... Those are made up of lots of different things. Blood vessels, connective tissue, muscle fibers, collagen, elastin. And that too, like the outer layer of your skin, is a reflection of how well you care for that tissue. Most of us pay no attention to our single largest organ, our skin. We just don't pay attention. If that is you, chances are higher that you will have loose skin. If you really nourish your skin and allow it to behave the way it ought to in terms of elasticity, you are less likely to have loose skin, all right? Now, if you lose weight quickly, the elastic parts of your skin just don't have enough time to respond and adjust and contract. So that is an argument in favor, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, of really having gradual, moderate fat loss instead of rapid weight loss because you need your skin to have time to adjust and react and respond. If you are a smoker, if you do not um, prioritize hydration, if you are constantly exposing your skin to the sun, all of those kinds of things or just toxins, topical toxins on your skin, All of those things are going to reduce the overall health of your skin and it will not be as elastic as it is intended to be. Now, your skin in general is going to evolve over time. So if you are at a point in your weight loss where you feel like you have loose skin, relax. Take a deep breath. Your skin is an active organ. You can make improvements by caring for the quality of your skin And if you have yet to start losing weight, but you just have this apprehension about loose skin, don't sweat it because there are things you can do to improve the elasticity of your skin before weight loss, during weight loss, after weight loss. All right? So one of the big things that I always say to people is don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. If it hasn't happened yet, don't worry about it. What can you do now, today, in this moment to move you towards your goals? And if you are in the place where you have loose skin and you don't want to lose any more body fat, still, don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. All you can do is what you can do today and there are absolutely things that you can do to improve the integrity of your skin. Your skin is super elastic. Exposure to sugar is going to damage the integrity of your skin. So when you eat a diet rich in sugars and processed foods, here's what's happening inside your body. The sugar binds to free-floating proteins in your body, and they form what are called advanced glycation end products, which we've talked about in a few previous episodes. But here's what those things do. They basically break down the structure the structural components of your skin because collagen is a protein. And so when we overconsume sugar, collagen is one of the proteins that gets bound up to sugar and then it becomes inactive. 
It can't do its job. And so we see a lot of premature aging of the skin and reductions in the elasticity and tension of the skin when people overconsume sugar. So one of the very best things you can do for your skin health is eat less sugar. Eat fewer processed foods. Everybody with me on that. When you eat sugar, you create these advanced glycation end products. And the skin damage is just the tip of the iceberg with advanced glycation end products. It also leads to neuropathy and all sorts of other challenges to your health. But physically, it breaks down the structure, the structural components of your skin. So eating less sugar is a big part of maintaining skin health. This is important during weight loss. This is important after weight loss. It's important before weight loss as well. If you lose weight with a low quality diet, all right, so if you are just counting calories or macros without regard to the quality of your food, this will damage your skin in part because of the sugar and processed foods, in part because of the lower quality fats. Healthy fats are a critical component of skin health, but also because of the lack of nutrients. Our skin is regenerated by micronutrients that are found in high quality foods. So if we just go on a crash diet or we only concern ourselves with low calorie or particular macros without regard to quality, that will greatly damage our skin and lead to wrinkling, sagging skin, and a much higher likelihood of loose skin. Now, if you focus on fat loss as opposed to just weight loss where you can be losing muscle tissue and fat tissue, if you focus on fat loss and focus on high quality food, you can be certain that you're giving your body the nutrients it needs to really care for your skin and maintain that elasticity and structural integrity you need to decrease your chances of loose skin. So please, for the love of God, no crash diets. Crash dieting will set you up to look like a deflated balloon. It's just true. It's just true. Same is true of smoking. Same is true of sun exposure. You have to take care of your skin on the inside with quality nutrition. And we'll talk specifically about those nutrients in just a second. But also on the outside by decreasing your exposure to toxins. So let's talk about some specific factors that reduce the likelihood of loose skin, and then I promise at the end I will go into my own personal experience with this. So lift weights, lift weights. Now, I personally recommend heavy weights, and heavy is relative. I'm not saying throw around 220 pounds on your back squat. Heavy for you. For some people listening, 15-pound dumbbells are going to be challenging for certain movements, and that's cool. It's relative. Heavy is not a threshold. Heavy is relative to where you're at. So when we talk about lifting weights to really um, firm up your body and reduce the chances of loose skin, we're not talking about Suzanne Summers-style workouts with, you know, two-and-a-half-pound dumbbells and, like, body pump kind of thing. We are talking about something that challenges you because when you do that, you strengthen your muscle tissue and you create a firmer, more robust foundation underneath your skin, 
which allows for not just ripping out the fat mass, but really replacing some of that fat mass with lean, strong, healthy tissue. That will reduce the chances of loose skin. And I believe very strongly, even though I lost a significant amount of weight after a significant amount of time of yo-yo dieting, and that yo-yo dieting is really bad for the structural integrity of your skin because your skin expands and then it contracts and then it expands and then it contracts. And this happens over and over again. And every time you go through that cycle, it damages the structural integrity of your skin. But I really believe that despite my yo-yo dieting history and despite dramatic weight loss, I did not have loose skin on my legs and my arms because of, I really think that the primary determining factor was lifting weights. All right. So the second thing is, and I already kind of alluded to this, slow and steady weight loss. I get it. Nobody wants to hear this, but let's look at your past. In the times where you lost weight more quickly, did you keep it off? Chances are low that you kept it off. All right. So if we slow down the weight loss, not only are we more likely to maintain that weight loss, but we are more likely to look healthier, leaner, and more fit, even with a smaller total amount of weight loss. Because we don't want to just recklessly lose weight and be shedding muscle mass and fat mass at the same time because that makes us look like a deflated balloon. And nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. The next thing is eat more fat. We've talked a lot about the importance of fat, and yes, you can overdo it, just like you can overdo sugar, just like you can overdo protein, you can overdo everything. But here's the deal. Quality fats are an important structural component of every single cell in your body. Well, it's your cells that are what, everything is made up of cells, right? Including your skin. So the healthier your cells, the higher the quality fats that make up the membrane of your cells, the stronger your skin. The stronger your skin, the more elastic it is. So absolutely, positively eat quality fats from whole foods. When we get fats from processed foods that are these chemical frankenfats, uh, trans fats and things like that, they become the raw materials that our body has for structure and repair and rebuilding. So these really low quality fats get incorporated into the cell membranes of our cells, including the cells in our skin, and they're just not as strong. They're just not as stable as what we need. And so if you're not giving your body quality fats, you are setting yourself up to have a higher likelihood of wrinkling, sagging skin. No bueno. Eat healthy fat. Besides, it tastes good, doesn't it? Now, this one is really, really easy to do. If you guys aren't taking advantage of this one, you're crazy. You're just straight up crazy. Hydration. Duh, right? We are mostly water. We are mostly water. If you are dehydrated, not only is your muscle tissue not as plump and firm and healthy, but your skin as well suffers. You cannot have adequate elasticity and structure of your skin when you are dehydrated. So drink water. Now, this isn't about like waterboarding and flooding yourself and peeing every seven minutes, although I'm pretty sure I pee like every 30 minutes, but 
TMI, maybe a little bit. My show, it's okay. Um, so here's the deal. You can tell your hydration status by what? We've talked about this before. The color of your urine. It doesn't need to be so clear that you don't even know that you just went to the bathroom, but it should be very pale yellow. It should not be medium yellow. It should not be dark yellow. Drink more water or... The other option for staying hydrated is eating more foods that are higher in their water content, like fruits and vegetables. Vegetables first, then fruits. All right. The next thing is micronutrients. So macronutrients are things like fat, protein, carbs. Micronutrients are your vitamins, minerals, amino acids, that sort of thing that are very important for structure and function and overall vitality of your skin. Vitamin C is a big one. And you guys know that when I talk about micronutrients, I'm not necessarily talking about supplementation. I'm talking about making sure that you get these micronutrients from food. Why food? Because it's more bioavailable in the form of food than it is in most cases from supplementation. So vitamin C is a big one. If you're focusing on lots of diverse vegetables, you're probably good on the vitamin C front. But make sure that you're really emphasizing uh, foods rich in vitamin C. The other one, and this is obvious, right? Collagen and elastin. Collagen and elastin comes in food sources, and they're the major structural components of your skin. If you are not getting enough collagen and elastin, there's no fairy godmother that's coming to sprinkle it on your skin at night. So you want to make sure that you're focusing on foods rich in collagen and elastin. Well, I know what you're thinking. What are those foods? Really, meat products, fish products. So beef is a great one. Um, shellfish, salmon, all of these foods are going to be, because think about it. What are you consuming when you consume an animal product in that way, whether it's fish or it's beef, or it's bison, you are consuming, I mean, sorry to get like this, but I mean, if you don't think about it, it doesn't make it any less real. You're consuming their muscle tissue, right? What's in their muscle tissue? Collagen and elastin, right? So we want to make sure that you get that. You can supplement with it, but again, you have lower bioavailability, so you're going to do yourself more favors if you are consuming foods like that. Another great way to really boost your collagen and elastin and improve the elasticity of your skin is bone broth. Bone broth is sort of all the rage lately. All the paleo and primal bloggers talk about bone broth. And, and honestly, for good reason. It's super, super, super nutrient dense. It doesn't really taste much different from chicken broth. So you can use it as the base for soups or you can um, cook your meat in it in, say, a crock pot or something like that. But Or you can just drink it straight like out of a mug. Honestly, a lot of people do that. And it is super nutrient dense overall, but it's also a fantastic fantastic source of collagen and elastin. This one is a no-brainer because obviously the structural components of your skin are largely collagen and elastin, so focusing on that is really key. Collagen gives your skin its firmness and elastin keeps your skin tight. 
All right, the next thing you really want to focus on is avoiding toxins, especially toxins that you expose to your skin. Think about it. Your skin is your biggest organ. And I talk in great detail about skin exposure to toxins in the episode I did on water and talking about why water filters, especially for your shower, are so important. So I'm going to link to that in the show notes over on primalpotential.com. But the like two second version is your skin is an active organ. It is your biggest organ. You have tons of surface area. If you step into the shower without a quality shower filter, and I will link to the shower filter that I use over on the show notes, it's only like 30 bucks, super inexpensive. But what happens is, think about it. What what happens to your pores when you are in a steamy environment or a warm environment? They open up, right? So now you have your biggest organ, right? With your pores open, receiving whatever you put on it, and you are putting water rich in toxins right into those pores. You're pouring it into your body, pun intended, okay? So reducing exposure of toxins, especially topically on your skin, a shower filter is a freaking fantastic way to do that. When you introduce toxins into your body or onto your skin, it damages the structural integrity of your skin. You're more likely to have loose skin. Toxins can also come into your skin with lotions that have sulfates in them, shampoo and conditioner, cosmetic products, deodorant. Now listen, you don't need to go all earthy, crunchy granola, and this is not an argument to like stop wearing deodorant or not brush your teeth or whatever else. This isn't that. I'm just saying, if you're concerned about loose skin, the better care you take of your skin, the healthier, stronger, and more elastic your skin will be. You can take this as far as you want to take it. Bare minimum for me is the shower filter, period. End of discussion. All right. Dry brushing your skin. So a dry brush is basically what it sounds like. It is a brush, like a little thing with bristles, and you brush your skin when your skin is dry with these kind of firm bristles. It doesn't hurt. It kind of feels good in certain areas. Other areas can be a little sensitive. Um, But basically, dry brushing your skin is going to improve circulation. We want to improve the circulation to our skin because we accelerate the cell turnover when we do that. So unhealthy skin cells die off and new skin cells are regenerated. And we increase the circulation so we improve the flow of nutrients throughout the skin. That is going to really improve the overall health of our skin and the elasticity, right? I dry brush my skin once a day. Ideally, I should do it twice, but hey, I'm not perfect. I am going to link to the dry brush that I use over on the show notes at primalpotential.com. This is something that you can literally do in 30 seconds, right? 30 seconds to a minute. If you do it once a day, you can certainly do it twice a day, but it helps to get rid of dead skin cells, helps to improve circulation. That is just going to improve the quality of your skin. Now, what about supplements? I'm going to be really frank here, like I always am when it comes to supplements. I consider supplementation for skin elasticity a small rock. If everything else is perfect, everything else that we just talked about, might they help a little bit? Maybe, but most people are not going to nail all the above stuff we talked about, and those are bigger rocks. Those are going to be the things that really move the needle. So I know everybody kind of wants like a quick fix, and if I can just pop a pill and not have loose skin, it doesn't work that way. 
rewind, listen to everything we talked about up until that point. If you're doing all of that perfectly and you want to do a little bit more, yeah, you can supplement um, with several different things. You could supplement with vitamin C. You could supplement with collagen. None of it matters, though, if you are not actively practicing the other stuff. Now, Dr. Charles Poliquin swears by uh, Cola, uh, which I will link to in the show notes. I personally haven't, I've taken it, but I haven't experienced any change in skin elasticity by taking it. But here's the thing, when I say he swears by it, I do not mean that he thinks it's a magic bullet. I am sure, though I haven't spoken with him personally, that he would first say, care for your skin through hydration and nutrition, first and foremost and second most and third most and fourth most and everything else, and then consider that. So I will link to that in the show notes, but honestly, you got to go for the big rocks. You've got to go for the big rocks before rushing for the small rocks because the small rocks on their own aren't going to do a flip bit of difference. Now, what if you do all of that perfectly because you're like Superwoman or Superman or whatever and you have loose skin, right? I hear you. I was there. I had surgery. Uh, That was my experience. Now, Like I said, I really believe that because of my strength training, my legs were muscular and strong, as were my arms, and I didn't have the experience of loose skin. But around my abdomen, I did a little bit. I decided, could I have not had the surgery? Sure. It wasn't like this burning desire that I had to do it or I was going to hate myself and hate my body. Totally not the case. Totally not the case. Another reason that I did it is because a lot of people who have carried extra weight for a long time or who have had children or a full-term pregnancy have abdominal separation. So their abdominal muscles have pulled apart a little bit and they have to have that surgically repaired anyway. That was not my case. My abdominal wall was not breached. It truly was an external, and by external I mean outside of my musculature, it was an external surgery for me. So that was part of it for me because I knew that my recovery would be easier because they were not going to be cutting into my abdominals. Now, I am not sharing my personal experience to talk you into or out of this. You do what's right for you, but first and foremost, care for your skin because it is your largest organ. So I just want to be really clear about that, but I'm also not ashamed of the fact that I had it. And for those of you who are thinking about it, I want to share my experience. So if it's not your game, you can turn this off now. Cool. No worries. See you next time. Uh, But if you want to know my experience, I'm certainly happy to share it. So I decided to do it because there was a small amount of loose skin and I wanted it gone. I wanted to not see it when I looked in the mirror naked. That's pretty much the truth. And It wasn't going to breach my abdominal wall, so I knew my recovery wouldn't be as intensive, and I had the money to do it. I wouldn't have gone into debt to do it, period. It was something that I told myself if I made it that far, because my weight was a lifelong struggle. If I made it to that point, I wanted to do that for myself. It was totally a personal decision. I was healthy. I had no other health problems. Now, I was a little nervous. I had never had surgery before, and I had never been under general anesthesia. That scared me. I also have a serious aversion to needles. Like, I cry at the thought of a needle. Not kidding you. So that was a little, that was a little much for me. Honestly, that was what I was scared of most. I was most scared of the needle for my IV. Swear to God, that was my biggest fear. Um, so anyway, that's why I decided to do it. 
I wasn't really worried about the recovery, just worried about the needles. I was a little bit worried about the pain. So here's the deal for me. Now, there are lots of different ways that you can do this. If you need abdominal repair, obviously the surgery is, surgery is longer, the recovery is longer, uh, and the costs are probably higher. Uh, but I'm going to just tell you my experience. My surgery was about five hours long. The scar goes from just beyond one hip to all the way around the front of my body just beyond the other hip. So it's a big scar. It goes around most of my midsection, but it's low enough that it's covered by my underwear. So if I tell you how many inches it is below my belly button, it doesn't really mean anything because it's relative to your height. But I, I mean, I, I don't know, I'm looking at it right now. Um, I would say it's like three inches below my belly button. I'm 5'5". Five five, so nobody, I mean, unless you see me naked, you're not going to see me naked. Unless you see me naked, you're not going to see my scar. But with that said, it's a big flipping scar. So it was a five-hour surgery. It's a really large scar. I did spend one overnight in the hospital, which is standard procedure. It wasn't anything wrong with me. It is standard procedure to spend one overnight in the hospital. The next day, I had, in uh, they were place during the surgery, but I had two drains to basically, I know that sounds so gross, and I was actually freaked out about that too, because I do not do blood. I don't do blood. I don't do needles. If you get hurt around me, I promise, even if you are my mother, I am walking away. I don't do blood. I don't do needles. I don't do injury. You're on your own. You, If you know me, if you're in my life, you know I, I not only will not help, I will walk away. I don't do blood. So the idea of having these two drains to collect fluid that was draining from my wound uh, really creeped me out. But honestly, I mean, when it's your own, I don't know. It didn't really bother. I thought it was going to really creep me out. It didn't really creep me out. I think I had the drains in for like a week. So one overnight in the hospital, the following morning, the morning after surgery, I went home. Now, I had to sleep sitting up for like I don't know, 10 days, 14 days, something like that. Not fun, but like not the end of the world. And I will tell you, so surgery was on one day. I went home the next day. My first full day at home, I was on my treadmill. Now, I wasn't jogging. I think I was walking one mile an hour holding on to the rails and hunched over. But I was determined to get up and get moving. So my first full day home, I was on my treadmill, walking very, 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 very slow. But by the third day... No more pain pills, and I was standing up straight. So basically, they perform the surgery, in my case anyway, with your sort, you're sort of like in a seated lawn chair position. So your knees are bent and you're leaning forward, and they tighten you that way. So obviously, it goes without saying that for the first little while, you can't stand up straight because you're really tight hunched over. The goal is to stand up a little bit more and a little bit more every single day until you're upright. So the goal, I think, was to be totally upright by day five. I'm an overachiever. I was totally upright on day three and not taking any more pain pills. I had one really friggin' awful day post-recovery. Really freaking awful. With that said, it was my own fault. It was the first day of removing the bandages and holy crap, I just got butterflies just thinking about it. It was bad, but it was the only bad day and it wasn't even a bad day. It was like a bad hour. So it was the day to remove the bandages, day five. The incision was almost all the way around my body. Like it's a big freaking thing. I should have known to remove them laying down. I am a moron. I tried to remove them while standing up. Not good. 
Blood rushed to that area. I didn't bleed out, obviously. Blood rushed to that area in a really serious way. And I had a major, what they call a vasovagal reaction. I I collapsed. I was very, very faint. I started dry heaving, which dry heaving when you have a major abdominal incision is pretty friggin' uncomfortable. Um, and then I was scared. Then I was scared to take off the bandages. But I just let it pass for a couple of hours and then later in the day removed them while laying down and took a shower. And I think I think I had a chair in the shower because I just didn't after that experience I was a little bit afraid um that was just nerves that wasn't like I couldn't have hunched over and stood up in the shower I, I could have but I was just nervous um so so that was the only bad day and I'm sure that had I not been a moron and been laying down to remove the bandages I would have been fine I believe I was out of work for seven business days so like 10 days overall uh and then and I had to wear compression for um, six weeks or something. Um, the swelling, though, lasted for a good six months, probably more like a year of swelling. And I'm now about a year and a half post-op. Um, but like legit, I can feel it swelling for six months. I still, a year and a half later, do not have any feeling around the area of my incision. Like I can poke it. I don't feel anything. If I have like an itch, I can't really scratch it. But I mean, who cares? It's not like it's my face. You know what I mean? It's like, I guess I don't need any feeling there. And I'll also tell you, my surgery, and this is relative to the fact that there was no abdominal repair and relative to the fact that at the time I lived in North Carolina, my surgery was $10,000. It was not covered by insurance. There that included the overnight in the hospital. It included my pre-op and post-op appointments. It was ten thousand dollars. It's not I'm not making a statement about whether or not that's a lot or a little. That's just what it was. I want full disclosure. So at the end of the day, here's the deal. Relax about it. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. Deal with today. Do what is right for you today. You might have loose skin. You might not have loose skin. There's certainly a lot that you can do, whether you have it or not, to protect the structural integrity of your skin, right? There's a lot you can do. So don't feel like, oh my God, I have so much weight to lose. I'm going to look like, you know, a, a deflated elephant. That's not necessarily the case. And even if it were, don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. You have no idea. Just show up and do the work and then deal with it. Deal with it by improving the strength of your skin or you always have the option to have surgery. All right, let's wrap up with what I ate yesterday. Before my workout, coffee with unsweetened almond milk had a lot. I had a lot of coffee yesterday. I think I'm still a little buzzed today from my coffee yesterday. Then I headed to the gym. After that, I really wanted something cold and creamy. So I had like two whole cups of hormone-free Greek yogurt. And I added cacao powder and some stevia extract to that. A couple hours later, I had a whole cucumber and a whole tomato with about a half a can of canned salmon that I mixed with a little bit of mayo and uh, Dijon mustard. And then my dinner was good. I had a filet mignon. Actually, I only probably had half of it. And then I had Brussels sprouts with red peppers and garlic. And I am putting that recipe for the Brussels sprouts with garlic and red pepper on the blog. When is this going to air? It's already up on the blog. You can go there and see it now. Um, so go to primalpotential.com for that recipe. You can also go to Primal Potential for some of the things that I talked about in this episode, the shower filter, the dry brush, different things like that. So if you have questions, 
don't hesitate to ask. Get on the VIP email list. Talk to me. Let's check it out. I'm answering your questions. That's the best way to do it. You get my tips, but then you have direct access to my inbox. So I'll see you there with your questions. Have a great day. Hey, Houston, Con's prices are invincible. That means prices have been cut low, as in amazingly low, as in won't be beat. In fact, we're backing it up with our low price guarantee. Invincible prices on appliances, furniture, electronics, mattresses, and more. Not invincible enough for you? How about free next day delivery on appliances, TVs, and mattresses? And payment options for everyone, whether you have good credit or building it. Visit Con's today and find out what invincible feels like.